All right, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. Uh, we are doing it live version with DJ Patterson. Yo. And our special guest, Boo. 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 Okay. Boo, tell us who you are. Excuse me. I am Boo. Last name is Coop. Um, <laughs> Boo Coop. Born and raised in Michigan. I moved down here. Uh, when did you move here? Yeah, from Detroit. Detroit, nice. Back in uh, 07. Moved down here in 07. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, Hit that nice. storm, that ice storm we had. First really bad one. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was when I graduated um, high school. So I remember there being a super bad, like, it, it, we were in for a while. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I savored with, like, two weeks. Never thought, like, one day it, it kind of thawed, but then the freeze came right was, back. Yeah. I remember that, yeah. Because we were down at the wash for weeks but then afterwards everybody came through and got their car clean yeah yep. but you know in the car washing world you like a little ice every once in a while cool so um tell us about the beer like you you were just telling a little bit of the story like why did you pick this beer what beer did you pick and uh cheers, cheers. So, uh, thanks for coming in bringing us a beer thanks for having me i picked spotted cow uh, just because it reminds me back at home I mean, um, being from up, up north, um, when I lived in Wisconsin as well, that's all we drank. So, brings back uh, some memories. Now it says New Glorious Brew. Did you you went to the brewery to get this or what? Yes, we went to the brewery. We drank there and then uh, we bought it on our way out. Nice. So yeah, it says it's only brewed in you know. I guess they only serve it in Wisconsin. Hmm. I guess that's what yeah, it says, only in Wisconsin. Only, so. Wisconsin. only you Wisconsinites can get this beer. We should eat, like, we need cheese right now. Yeah, yeah right? We need to have cheese in here. Nice thing of cheese. I love cheese. Cool, cool. All right, so DJ Patterson is here. Uh, Ian hopefully will hop in later. And um, we, uh, we're going to dive into some dealership detailing. Um, but first, tell us your story. I mean, you said you, you moved here. Yeah, back in 05 I mean so you move here and what I mean what's your first job how old were you there 07 right 07 oh, oh I said 05 sorry oh, yeah 07 how old were you in 07 I was 21 in 07 so I moved here and then um, I worked temp jobs for a while um, didn't know too much about the detailing world here down south so did you detail back I up did, there? I did, I did uh, detailing for a Subaru dealership, actually. So that was your first gig? Um, no. I was uh, I was working at the restaurant. Uh, my family actually owned restaurants. So uh, I grew up working in the restaurants, starting in the back, you know, dishwasher to cook to front of the house to running the actual restaurant. And then my uncle needed help, and then I went to help him run his restaurant as well. Then from there, I kind of got tired of the restaurant world and decided to go ahead and uh, venture out. And since I love cars so much, I decided why not be a porter for Subaru because my uncle worked there. My uncle was a master tech for a Subaru dealership there. Um, he was 20 years when I first started. So He had been there for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Cool. So that, I mean, so Subaru is where you cut your teeth detailing. 
Then you moved to Tulsa and what Cadillac store or what, what was your first? Um, I worked at the Dodge dealership first. Um, I did that for a little while. And just walked in again as a porter or you went, you went to, hey, I want to be a detailer? I actually walked in and did uh, the express. I worked in the express lane for oil changes. And then from there I moved to an advisor. And from advisor I moved to detail. Dodge dealership, which one? Uh, Yvonne. Oh. The old, before Bob Moore bought it. Yeah, Yvonne Hubble, where the owner's always on the lot. Really? That was her like slogan. He was, was he really? She. She was. She really. was. Yeah, she yeah. was on the lot. Really? Every day. Yeah. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Annoying, probably. Well, yeah. <laughs> Nicest lady in the world. Mm-hmm. Love her to death. She's probably like one of the best. So she wasn't some OCD no. control freak. That's uh, what I figured. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's like, what, naturally, he would think that yeah, the yeah. owner of a deal, like, yeah. On the, yeah. And if they're there every day, <clears throat> annoying. Most people aren't too happy with the owner being there every day. So, was there every day? How'd it go? Great. Um, I was with them for three years, and then uh, from there, since Yvonne sold it, I left, and I went to Cadillac, and I started at Cadillac at their car wash, and then uh, I became a car wash lead. Within that first year, and then right after that, um, I went into detail, and then. So what's the difference at a dealership? I mean, you're mentioning some some certain spots, like you were in car wash, you were in this, like in a dealership world. Help us who don't. Okay, yeah. Who maybe don't understand what goes on in a dealership? What, what like the, the different departments of it? You like? Yeah, break it down. So, I mean, you say you were in car wash. What's the difference between that and detail? So car wash, what they do is your courtesy washes so when you bring your vehicles in for oil changes for maintenance um, you get your car washed and vacuumed um, we mainly did that we wash the car every dealership does that or just some I believe everybody's starting to do that now but I know that uh, some of the dealerships here in town don't do that yeah yeah I yeah. know there's yeah, only fine. a handful of them that still do it so yeah so car washes so strictly just washing vac Washing, wipe it down wipe down tire shine windows i mean it's basically like your express detail express detail yeah. yeah so we did those within the first 15 20 minutes that we had it we worked in teams and then from there um, one of the details left and they wanted me to step up so i took the opportunity to step up to detail and didn't really learn too much of their culture so when you say step up to detail i mean like dumb it down for us what does that mean um like, there's a whole nother department yeah. uh, i think that's what i'm trying to like uh, help somebody uh, yeah. who doesn't know i, I don't know the yet. outside uh, yeah, of a dealership so a there's a whole nother department like you're a car washer and then there's a, like a whole nother department that's detail or is it all together so what i'm getting now is a car wash an express lane and then also detail is that right yes so your express people mainly deal with um, washing bags washing back your front-facing customers right uh, car wash deals with the cars that are left over mm -hmm. and they need them out there so they're secondhand they help out with the express lane gotcha um, and then car wash also helps detail for prep so what we do is prep the cars mm -hmm. get them would you say that's them. a porter 
Or is that different? That's that's different. Porters mainly worked for certain departments. So a new car had their porter, used car had their porter. And he goes and does what? Uh, he does the same thing we do, but his he runs more errands. He fills up the gas. Hmm. Um, he puts the cars on the lines. Uh, he has to make sure that the cars uh, have the right keys. And if the keys are missing, where is it? So. But a lot of guys are just doing washing back type stuff. Correct. Okay. And then if a car gets sold to the dealership, like if the dealership buys a car or if they get it off a transport, it's a brand new car, or they've sold a car and they need to get it, you know, clean for delivery, right? Mm -hmm. That is what would be considered a detail position. Mm -hmm. How does that differ from the guys that are doing the washing backs? Mainly the difference basically is that um, the, to tell the difference between the two is that car wash basically does your basic wash and back um, and detail gets down into the nitty-gritty stuff to where you have to clean uh, the car to make it look like it's brand new again so use new um, removing tape lines Removing stickers and stuff that are. So do you know DJ? I mean, like, what does he mean removing tape lines? On the windows, you're talking about windows or the paint? On the paint. Oh, you get to, you get to do that to prep the vehicles to get. What are the lines from though? From the if you ever see a vehicle on transport, yeah, they're covered in like adhesive tape. And so is it, like a, is it is it adhesive lines? Adhesive lines. Gotcha. What do you use to remove it? Uh, we use solvent. Just to remove it. So. But I mean, that's interesting. I mean, you would have never. No, no, no. Yeah. At like, all. Like, what's a tape line? You just do retail type. So, why would you ever gotcha. see a tape line? Completely that's why I was like, how? Why would you ever think that there would need to be a so tape line? So, every now and then you'll see like cars. If you ever get new cars and you'll see that they have like real distinct straight lines, a lot of those are due to the fact that the, the actual detailers don't remove that line. And then ends up etching into the clear. Mm. We have actually seen a lot of that. You know what I love what you guys do for us? is like, how you guys put all those swirls in the paint so that we can make a lot of money <laughs> to fix them. And that's true. That's very true. But that's, that's not my new harvest. So. If, wow. if you guys can just keep doing that over and over, like just, just do that all the time and I'll be fucking happy. Yeah. That's I'm hilarious. Just, I'm just messing with you. Bring man. some business to you. I'm just kidding. No. I mean, it is right. I mean, a lot of people... It's a stigma. I mean, let's be honest. I mean... It is. A yeah. lot of people will see... And why is that? Since you went there, why is that a stigma, DJ? Should... Like, why do you assume that... Because, okay, because so, it... I'm the guy that's arguing with the person that just bought a brand new car from your dealership that, I, that I need, they need to spend 500 bucks to fix it. Because they're just like, I just bought this car. It's been detailed. It's been protected. I'm like, ma'am, there's clearly swirls everywhere in your paint. Like, let me help you, sh- like, show you. Well, how'd that get there? That wasn't there before. I'm like... You just didn't see it, like that's just kind of how that's, that's true. So that's what means. So in your it. in your position, if you get a car that you know is brand new, the paper tags are still on it, and and you've got swirl marks, would you a suggest that that customer goes back to the dealership to and have the dealership fix it? No. Or B, you would offer to fix it for them as a service. You're going to charge for your time Absolutely. and service. Why is that? Well, because the dealership let that pass, what are you going to do when they bring it back? I mean, they obviously let that pass that it was okay. Like, And not every detailer to dealerships like this. And, and because you're in like business, 
and I'm in business to make money too. And that's a skill that I can do. If I'm and you can solve the problem for the customer. But not so, only that, I'm not just solving that problem. I'm upselling and coding on top of that too. Agreed. So, I mean, I'm, I was being a little facetious I in my know, questions yeah, because, well, so funny. So this past weekend, Cody and I were in Denver and then Colorado Springs to do training for our um, distributors. They had their customers, which were detailers in the area, come to a training class where we led the class. All right. And inside the uh, class at Colorado Springs, there was a gentleman there that... Um, uh, I was telling a story of a car that had come straight from a dealership and had burn literally, literally grayish burn marks. Um, it was at Tesla. Windburn. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't windburn. No, no, no. What's windburn? It was road. Well, there it gets so, windburn from the flapping and the transport. No, no, no. This was this was swirl marks. Oh, like wow. you could definitely see okay. swirl marks. It was that Tesla that we did. With the big doors. Yeah, with the big old doors. And and he literally told me and he said. You ripped them off. You should be ashamed of yourself because I charged that customer to fix it. He said, oh, we always send people back to the dealership and make the dealership fix it. I was like, why the hell would you do that? Like, it blew my mind. And he was literally mad at me saying, I ripped the customer off. It's your opportunity to gain the customer. What? Exactly. A detailer said that? It, no, it was it was a it was an owner. It was okay, a, gotcha. It was a guy gotcha. that owned some uh, uh, something I don't know car wash detail shop type. But I mean, really nice guy. His his guys that were there were super cool. He just really came at me that I ripped them off, and he said they always send those cars back to the dealership. I mean, would the, if the dealership caused it, right? What, what the dealership's not going to fix it? No, we've only seen a handful of that like people would send cars back because of swore marks. Mm-hmm. And usually when that happens, um, they give it to people, certain people, in the shop to fix it. I mean, to me, honestly, it should have went to those people to begin with so that you wouldn't have those problems with the swirls and scratches. Yeah. But, I mean. So let's, in a second, we'll go into the dynamics of the dealership. But we taste, I mean, great, great choice because I think we're all almost done with that first beer. Except for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you definitely took yours down. I mean, when you taste it, what what do you taste? Taste home. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds nice. me of Wisconsin. I mean, um, and what is it about? I mean, why does it just because you had it there? It's my first time I had it there. Yeah, oh. my first turn uh, twenty one. So it's besides Wisconsin, I mean, what flavor runs through your mouth? I taste just straight solid wheat beer. Oh, absolutely. Like, like smooth, crisp, clean, um, you know, but definitely a, a, a good, good wheat beer. Um, I mean, it doesn't even say, does it, on the label? What, it's got to be, it's definitely some type of wheat beer because it's, it's, it's just the way, it has to be. But it doesn't really say on the label. Farmhouse Ale. Oh, where'd you see that? Right on the side. Well, Second. I'm looking on the side. Oh, second sentence. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't, uh, I don't read too well. So, there you go. There you go. All right. So, give us a little bit of the dynamics of, of a dealership. I mean, how, how and why. I mean, if cars come out looking worse than they came in, which would be a, you know, to DJ's point, that's where a lot of, you know, retail type detailers, guys that have shops or mobile. I mean. 
they associate so negatively towards the dealership detail department. How does that even happen? Why would cars leave worse than they came in? Like, what's the dynamics of a dealership that causes guys to fail almost in a sense at detailing? A lot of it is based on making money. The more cars you can do, the more money you make. So we're paid on the scale of commission based on how many cars we do. We get paid a certain amount of hours per that car. So if you look at it in a sense, if a car looks like crap to begin with and then you bring it to us and we do it and then it still looks like crap, it's probably because the guy's trying to make money. Um, there wasn't really big on a quality check process, so a lot of those cars just came and went. Hmm. And maybe the, the whether it's a new car, used car manager that or a salesman that delivers the car to the customer probably just wasn't a good checklist or any type of, you know, hey, it should have this, this, and this. They're just running cars through. Correct. I mean, does that answer any questions to I mean, the negative persona that a dealership has? Yeah, there's just like your handful of people in the dealership like yourself actually give a fuck, right? Like, yeah. So, and, and it's like, I don't know. My whole argument on like dealerships, people you know ask all the time, just like we're trying to like educate the client on like to let us do it over the dealership. I'm gonna be honest, like that's just what we do, um, because I think their money is better spent. Even not just our company, but like when you're farming out like a mobile service or a, prof or a professional detailing shop or someone like Ian, like that's a per a business owner, a self-employed business owner that has a passion about what he's doing, and you know you know for sure you're gonna get like top quality there because it's a company that that's their soul like that's how that's the bread and butter so they're going to do their best whereas the dealership you've got a lot of guys that are just kind of running through making their hourly blah 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 and they're not really giving a crap um and when you get your new car it's not at its maximum potential right that's just kind of how i view it and why we educate our guys to that is true. have that kind of theory right correct well i mean why is it true like you you i mean you've worked at a dealership for years and years, correct. Like how do, how does somebody that's been in that go? Okay, yeah, I man, it's true. Because it's just the nature it, of the game, right? It it's is the nature it's, of the it's beast. It's another there. job. Yeah, I mean, you're well, working. I mean, it's the nature of the way they're set up. Correct. Like, but most of the most of the guys that we hire in the detail field for the actual shop are your regular high school kids. Yeah, yeah, I get it. And there's so, people like you that actually give a crap. The ones that have been there, for, yeah. working for a while. You know, we actually take pride in our work, mm -hmm. not just blowing through the cars, but actually making sure the car comes back. What's clean. cool is before we even record this podcast, when we were waiting on Marty to get here because he was late, is that he has, you actually have clients that actually um, will request you correct more than other people, like nine times out of ten, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I mean, that says a lot. So there's only certain customers that want the same detailer to keep cleaning their car because they have the same result every single time. So that's the. Ability. So we say you have customers. I mean, how are you in a dealership, but you have customers? What do you mean by that? More of a following, um, just based on the past he sells they had. So let's say this customer has been going to the dealership for the last ten years, and for the last ten years they've been getting mediocre details. 
And then when somebody else new comes and details, so you mean there's there's people that go to the dealership to get a detail, even right. though we talk about how bad the dealerships do at detailing. Correct, because those people like to go to the same place for everything. So they go to a one-stop shop and they get everything done there. So like when they're getting their oil changed, they get Correct. a detail mm -hmm. or changes, they're getting services done. Regular maintenance. So, you, so you're saying there's dealerships that then use the detail shop to actually profit and make money? Hmm. Yes. Oh, wow. There's a concept. Yeah. Nice. One of those dealerships might be the one that, that you, you've Maybe. worked at for a little while. Maybe. Yeah, for I mean a good point in time, they they were pumping out a lot of customer pay, so to speak, um, and doing a lot of profit out of the actual department. Correct. Why is it that if that's true, why do you think that dealership? I mean, because it's reverted, yeah. and in a lot of aspects, the dealership has reverted back to just cleaning in-house cars and not pushing customer pay as much. Correct. Why would a dealership? who's making so much off of customer pay revert back to just cleaning in-house cars, meaning like cars that got traded in or clean for delivery or stuff like that? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, just thinking about it, it's, it's my opinion would probably just be the fact that they think that customer pay base is too much of a nuisance. So it's, affecting their internal cars so cars for delivery and things like that so they try oh to so if, if customers are coming in and taking up your time then their cars not getting their cars meaning like the new car salesman's pissed off because oh. you're working on customer pay instead of his vehicle correct why not the badasses like you just do customer pay and hire people more people for the other shit i mean we try to do that but i mean when there's you know 14 15 customer pays in a day you know, like, there's only one of me and so many hours in a day. Gotcha. No. Do you do you do any do you do much training at all for like quality? Like, do you train anyone? Well, at all? he was a manager for a little bit, mm -hmm. so at that gotcha. point in time, he definitely probably did, right? Yeah. Um, Tell us about being a manager at a detail shop in a dealership. I mean, what stress level high? Stress level no? I mean, what stress level very high? Why? Um, just because you have to deal with um, the upper management and you also have to deal with your employees that are in your group. So in that aspect, running that, de that detail shop for a little while, um, having 16 guys under you, it's kind of overwhelming. Because that's 16 different personalities that you have. 16 to. pretty much employees at one point? Correct. And, and detailers are little princess oh my in a sense. You oh, know, no. some of them. We're a little bit, we're a little bit foo foo sometimes. Yeah. Some of them are. So no, it's sort of like herding kittens. Yeah. Uh, my guys are amazing. I bet. I bet. <laughs> oh, man. That's the toughest part about owning a business. I mean, in management, too, is just. Yeah, Manage, at that point in time, it doesn't managing, matter if you own it or not. No, like, managing, managing people, people, is, people is difficult. Because I'm like one of those guys, like, I like to keep the harmony, keep the peace. Like, I like to communicate, like, build relationships. Those are just, like, my strengths. Like, you know, have you ever taken, like, a strength finders test? Where mm -hmm. you, that's just, like, who I am. Like, I want to be relational. I want to know about you, your life, what's going on. I actually give a crap about you. And 
I don't that's know. That's a good just, boss. That's a good boss to work for. Yeah, but it's tough when, like, you know, you just don't really get that back. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, true. I just want to, like, watch them do their own. Like, a lot of my guys have side businesses, too, where they, like, do stuff which is freak, freaking badass. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just di- different, like, when you have people, like, you're just trying to build up. I don't know where I was going with that at all. I'm on a um, rabbit trail. But. It's okay. It's all good. So, I mean, when, when you're managing that many people at a dealership, help us understand then – I want to stay on that beat. I'm beating a dead horse. I get it, but the mindset of of a manager and wanting to, I mean, with you being the quality that that you have, then you're in management. How do you try and continue that quality to everybody so that you don't have the stigma that we've just talked about from you know retail people see dealerships in a certain way? So, put us in your mindset. Like you're there. Um, you, like you said, you got the stress of the upper management who is like new car manager, you car GMs, GMs. Uh, owners, they're GMs. coming after you. And, and what are they coming after you at? Like what, what is it about, about that position that they're coming at you at? Uh, mainly based on quality and then, oh, so they're trying to really make they, sure quality is great. quality to stay where it's been. For so, the in-house cars? In-house and Everything, family. yeah. So... So who, who, real quick, who who manages the quality on the in-house details, like the stuff, like the like the new sales, all that? I did. Okay, so you're the last eyes to see the car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. So I made. Now, it did you do last eyes of every car? You guys did a checklist car. or what? We did a checklist. So would you go around like and I freaking went, t- like just touch stuff up, or you just so, let it roll? No, what I did was, um, I was kind of a prick, to be <laughs> to be honest. I was oh, kind cool. of a prick. So what I did was. I went over the whole entire car, and whatever I saw, I took a uh, one of those markers, window markers, and I wrote on the car what they had to do, what they missed. Oh, cool. So that they don't keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So they can see what they've missed. Do you have a good name, like, show them, like, exactly how you would do it? I mean, there was just obvious stuff they're missing. It was hard to, because some of the guys have been there for so long, so you can't break their bad habits. So right. you try to change the the way that detail process is, mm-hmm. and a lot of guys revert so. back to how they how they were doing it. So keep an eye on that for sixteen guys is kind of no. I I, I only have six to seven people. Like huh? I can't imagine that many people. That's crazy. So when I ran a detail shop for uh, a different dealership, um, it was a lot easier because there was only three guys. Yeah. So with three guys, and that's probably more common for dealerships, uh-huh. right? I mean, you were at sixteen because that dealership funneled what six different lines through there. Yeah, on top of customer pay. On yeah. top of customer pay. So your average dealership that you would manage would be probably a three or four detail shop, right? Correct. Unless you're, unless you're a little bit bigger brand, then you would basically fun a lot more. Yeah, I mean, so we've got down the street, we've got uh, uh, dealerships that one dealership bought another, and so they're going to join the two um, detail shops. Yeah, right? Should be fun. And uh, and they're going to put a manager over that who is going to get some money per hour that everybody does, but then he is also going to have to work and you know, clean cars and That's make his, his flag pay plus what? manage. Yeah. How? 
Right. I mean, that's sort of why so, I'm bringing it up. Like, so when I that's did, why I was saying, you know, put him in the hot seat. Like, tell us in that position, and man, like, that's got to be stressful. I would know. Wait. Yeah. So when well I, man, that's what I deal with most times. So when like, I was working at um, the Cadillac dealership, running there for their management position, I had a detail and manage. So, detailing, making your flag hours, making X amount of money per hours they flagged, was how they handled it. So you got your management paid by uh, dispatching the cars to different guys, making sure they're doing the right things, and also doing the quality check before the cars get sent to the different uh, name brand. So, I mean, it was it was a headache because certain people wanted a certain way. They wanted their cars done a certain way. So if you didn't do it that way, they would send it back. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a headache, but at the same time, I mean, as long as you're there, ready to work, and your guys are ready to follow you, you're good. If you have a good crew. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, let's rate this beer. Spotted Cow from, what? how do we pronounce it? Spotted Cow. No, New Glarius. Is that Glarious, it? G L A R U S. New Glarus. New Glarus. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. DJ, what do you think? How would you rate it? Um, I'd, I'd probably give it a three. I mean, it's a, it's a good beer. It's not the best beer I've had, but it's definitely a good beer. All right. What Mr. A, Vuku? What a scale we're rating at. Five. One to five. Yeah, three. Really? Yeah. It's your beer. You're getting it, it is a three. Mine. I give it a three. That's, but that's it's not the best beer I've had. That's a, a memory that was worth a five, right? <laughs> the memory is worth a five. The so beer itself is worth the three. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's... He's, he's neglecting his own memory. No. I mean, not really. I mean. Oh yeah, no. I mean, that's cool. That's your style. He wouldn't really drink it all the time. But I wouldn't drink it. It's like his first memory. Favorite. Oh, you're just an asshole. My favorite beer. Is not only the taste of it, but it's also the memory mm. of why I first drank that beer. Mm. So uh, that means I rate Bud it? Light a five. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good night. Huh? That's the first beer I had when I was 12 years old. So, you know, that's kind of one of those things. No, so, and it would have been my first craft beer that I drank. Scaring off. It's not craft. Oh. Mike's Hard Lemonade. What was it's not Marty? craft. Uh, uh, Michelob Ultra Light. Uh, no. Oh, man. What is another good beer that Marty would like? You, wouldn't, you won't be able to guess Keystone it. Keystone was It was in, ah, it was in Seattle. Keystone Ice. It was in Seattle, and we were up there walking around trying to find a place to smoke cigars. Hmm. Nobody would let us in to smoke a cigar. You could definitely walk down the street. This would have been 2012, something like that, 2012. So a little bit before all recreational stuff got passed, but you could still, it would be much easier to smoke a blunt than it was to smoke a cigar. Nice. Yeah, it was insane. Nobody would let us smoke a cigar, except we found one little place, and they made us smoke around the corner. Like, they even said, like, we were out on the patio, and that over all the way to the side, and they said, if anybody inside smells your cigar and complains, you're going to be removed. But they were going to at least let us smoke it over there. Wow. Yeah, and and I I wasn't 
really drinking beer much of the time. And my buddy Randall got a some you know seasonal. Well, what's seasonal? A pumpkin ale. It was my first time to taste a pumpkin ale, and it was Harlot's Harvest from Pike's Place Brewery, um, mm. or not Pike's Pike's Peak or Pike, I don't. Whatever the brewery is, right? Over, what's that market in Seattle? Um, Pike's Place, isn't it? Isn't that what's what it called? Yeah. yeah. And so right. it's it's right, literally like half a block to the right of there. I went back later um, and bought a T-shirt because it was so good. I still have it. Harlot's Harvest. Hmm. Favorite beer of all time. Interesting. But a lot of it's from the memory. Yeah. So that's one of your biggest memory beers and you're still going with the three wow you went on him hard that was, i did that was a rant <laughs> that was that a was, long story yeah. just wow. to ask for it it's actually the first beer i had when i was 21 that is and you're still a three that's still a three because wow. my 21st birthday i spent uh you don't remember it. <laughs> oh no i do i actually do he remembers my 21st birthday i helped my brother-in-law drive his car from wisconsin to georgia and so you were drinking and driving. Yeah, That's no. awesome, man. I turned 21 <laughs> when I hit Georgia. So we left on the 8th of December from Wisconsin at night. And we ended up in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, that morning. And I turned 21. Huh. And you had taken that beer with you? No. No, dude. When we came back to Wisconsin, when I was already 21, I had the beer. Because that mm. was the first uh, bar we went into. So. And still a three. And still a three. Still a three. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give it a... Geez. No, you can't give it a four. I'm going to give it a three. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it a four. How? How is smooth. It's not... I think it's a great beer. Like, you can... To me, this is... I mean, because it's a wheat, you definitely were going to think more in the heat. And could you just sit there and drink this beer all day long after you mow the yard? No. Yes. I drink it by the pool. Yeah, drink it by the pool. Like, is it as good as Coors Light? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So this weekend at that training, oh, it's right. Yeah, they had they had a cooler full of beer because the the distributor was like, "Wow, there's no way people will come on a Friday night." And I was like, "Bro, we get them to come on Friday nights all the time. Just tell them you're gonna have food and beer, and they'll be there." Mm-hmm. Sure enough, we had like 13 or 14 guys in there for training on a Friday night, and and we were all, you know, of course we're gonna drink beer while we do it, and they had two micro breweries and then the banquet beer, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me! What is this doing here?" Yeah, dude. They tried to tell me it was a good beer. It is a like, good beer. It's like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> you went to the tour. I know. I, t- I shared the story of how horrible <laughs> the, the Coors Brewery tour is. The only thing cool go about it. Uh, I, I barely no. remember it, Coors Light in my life. What? Yeah. You what? I vaguely remember Oh, Coors vaguely. Yeah. yeah. You sh- it's it's a non-memorable beer is what you just said. But he rated a five, though. <laughs> no. I think the, the best thing about that tour was learning the story of Adolf or whatever his name was that that came over from Germany and why he built it there in Boulder, Colorado. Did you actually listen to that thing? That part I did. Oh. did like People's stories of why they did something and how they did it is very intriguing. Hmm. Um, I don't remember. Why can't I think of his name? It was something like... I, I you know, I don't know one of those German names. Somebody will know it, but um, and it was he because that stream, 
because the stream that runs through there, which is why they talk about Rocky Mountain stream water, like literally it's... The coldest beer ever. And the coldest beer ever. <laughs> Great marketing on that part. Hey, that was definitely good. All right, so closing thoughts. Um... I, I'm giving it. I'm giving it a four. I think it's a great beer. I think any, anybody that's in Wisconsin should drink this beer. Um, only if you're in Wisconsin. Only if you're in Wisconsin, <laughs> because that's what it says. It's only in Wisconsin. Where you can get it from. It's the only place you can get it. it that's why it's a special beer. Make it a memory. That's not not just a three memory. Yeah. Make it a five Make it memory. A five memory. It's a five memory. But All right. So uh, I'm gonna start with DJ. DJ closing thoughts. Listening to Vu and what's going on at the dealership, like. Wanted to be better, but very stressful. How do you manage all those guys? I mean, would you or would you not recommend somebody who's young that wants to learn about detailing or get into the industry? Is that a place that you would recommend them go work? To start? Absolutely, honestly. Like, I mean, it's definitely a start. You get a steady flow of cars, which means you're getting your hands and eyes on, like, different interiors and exteriors and so forth. You can, like build like a foundation foundational knowledge of detailing if you've got the right training there and so forth but i mean ultimately i'm super biased but i think anyone can go out and do it on their own after getting those core skills it's almost like you're getting like paid training there like when i first started okay yeah i worked at a detail shop but some guys might come out of the gate just like working on their you know parents cars and parents friends then go like pay to get training like you know in a, in a different yeah which we've talked about there's right. places like if you, if you want to learn detailing Come pay four thousand dollars or whatever. Correct, but I do think that dealerships and you like, get a lot of really good information of, yeah, and a network of people too behind you at that point. But I think you know at a local level, like working in dealership, you can you can still get like you know a leg up. Um, but I don't think. I mean, if you're looking long term, that's not the best place to stay if you want to stay in that same industry. There's plenty of detailers and managers that make really good money and can make a career out of it. I sure. get that. Yeah, like I said, it's a super biased statement. Which is fine. Yeah. I'm not arguing. You have you have to have a bias because you haven't really been in a dealership. Exactly. So, I don't know. I just I feel like at any time you could just be another number. I mean, if you think about it, if you if you can be a detailer at a dealership and make hundred thousand a year. Yeah. I mean, would you do it? <sighs> Me, no. I played the long run, and I, you know. Yeah. Okay. But plenty would. Yeah. I think it depends on the person's mindset of what they want to do. I want to be guaranteed that hundred thousand and double it up every other year. So like, I got you. Which is never going to happen. I mean, a thousand, hundred thousand would probably be a max. Like that. That's a big number for to take home. Yeah, that's a big number to take home. You know what? Like I would say, let's let's just say a really great manager at a regular dealership. Are you talking about dealership? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Dealership. What? Forty, fifty thousand. Right. It's probably. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, no, it like, yeah. like a, yeah. like a regular. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah, a, regular. a regular shop, you know, a regular dealership, and it's gonna be there for a long time. You know, forty, fifty thousand, and and I might clean some cars and might kind of, you know. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still just, you know, it's a job. Yeah, true. Yeah. Run a job. So, um, what do you think, Vu? I mean, you got a young guy. You recommend them to go work at a dealership or not? Well, what do you think? I would get their feet wet. And really, truly get down to the nitty gritty so that they can experience for themselves if they either want to stay or venture off. I mean, to gain that experience saying that, hey, I've been in detail for X amount of years, um, even, you know, reaching out, trying to get 
experience by getting a certificate or going to a class. And that all helps in the long run. So I would recommend somebody to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, I would too. I would say it's a great place to get your teeth cut, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I uh, when I started, I, I didn't have YouTube, <laughs> you know. I didn't have – I literally just had to go try and find people that would let me clean their car. Whereas if, if you're a young guy that walks into a dealership, you don't have to go look for that. you got cars coming to you on usually on a regular basis to where you can work your craft, learn more about it, if you mess up on a car, guess what? The dealership has a body shop normally, or they got a paint guy or whatever. That's true. Whereas if if DJ's just starting and he's learning on cars, or somebody <laughs> wants to go do their own thing, guess what? Who pays for it then? Oh yeah. Uh, you know how many like I've paid for so I've paid so much money out in damage design funny. Not me personally. I mean me personally too. But like. With that amount of guys in the field, like stuff just goes wrong. Yeah, go, stuff happens. Stuff happens. You know, but yeah. they're just people. Like, yeah, it, stuff I mean, happens because they're people. Like, it's just, but it's crazy. Like, and whereas if you're at a dealership, you can work through mm -hmm. a lot of those mistakes, oh, and yeah. the dealership's going to cover it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure if you, <laughs> if you keep it up too much, they they're going to cut the their losses. Or, you know. Well, yeah. But for the most part, you can, and especially the wholesale units, which we didn't even talk about. Yeah. You know, somebody trades in an old beater. They're going to wholesale it off to an auction or to a wholesale agency type, you know, and those you can definitely figure out what works and doesn't work. Yeah. You know, you can you can really cut your teeth and figure out your craft and it's you're getting paid. It's almost like a it's almost like a paid internship type, like a, a paid training. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like so, I mean, if you if you're a detailer, you kind of like doing some stuff or. Maybe you even have a small little deal, but it's not really quite working. You don't know your your full craft. You you, you think maybe you can improve. Yeah, I would say go go find a dealership. It's perfect because like some guys like working on the side and they're working at like McDonald's for instance, like working on the weekends. But if you're working at a dealership and you're making money, if it's like nine ten bucks an hour, but you're working your craft every single day, and you're still doing crap on the side, like you're gonna win. Yeah. I, I like your side gig's gonna grow because of what you're but learning. But your full time grow is is you're getting income from what your full or your your side gig's gonna give you. Mm -hmm. It's perfect. Why work? Yeah, stay in the industry. It's yeah. like it's interning, but it's paid. Just be a badass employee, not like I was. <laughs> That's a... I don't remember all the bad stuff. I remember you were aggressive though. Like you wanted to grow. Like you wanted to do. St you wanted. Yeah, to Yeah, like always. Yeah. Who doesn't want to grow? Oh, a lot, a lot of, people. of people don't. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of people that don't. See, with the, the, the difference between the dealerships that I've worked at to the one I do now is that each one wanted to stay where they were. The one I want to work at now, they want to be the most innovative dealership, do what is out now, the best of the best. But we have to work out our kinks to try to figure out what works for us. So as of right now, I mean, we're doing what we can, and we're we're trying to uh, push forward so we can be the one-stop shop to do everything. Yeah, cool. All right, DJ, tell us uh, where people can find you, Instagram, uh, social media, all that. Yeah, pretty much anywhere at DJ Patterson. Pretty much anywhere at DJ Patterson. Exactly. Is that the website? 
That's my handle on social media, bro. Pretty much at oh, that's the email. Pretty much at DJ. Pretty pretty much at. You could find me pretty much anywhere. Instagram, Facebook, either way, just at DJ Patterson. At DJ Patterson or, or Eco Green MD. All right, Vu. Tell us where people can find you. You find me on Facebook by my name, Vu Koo. Spell. How do you spell it? Yeah. V as in Victor, U as in Unique, E as in Edward. Last name Koo, K U E. You just have some badass words to go along with, like how you spell it. And then uh, you can find me on Instagram at Too Koo for You. <laughs> there you go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. T U E? No. T U T O? The number Say two. Again. Oh, the number two. The numerical um, two. Yep, numerical two. And then Ku, my last name, K U E. And the letter U. That's what's up. Two Ku U. That's badass. Oh, two Ku for you. Oh, and then a four. Yeah. Two Ku for you. You're messing it up right now. I have totally messed it up. We'll put it in the show notes. But they'll hit like rewind on that 15 no, second. We'll put it and in the show backwards. notes. I'll ask you again in a second. Okay, cool. Good, good call. Um,. So I'm Marty. Uh, you can find us at Total Auto Solutions. And um, do Vu a favor. He really likes all those wonderful people that give us a rating, preferably more than he rated his beer. Yeah, uh, give us more than a three. Yeah, give us more than a three. Three and a half. He brought his own beer and then gives it a three. Anyway, uh, we thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, but before we go, since we missed Mr. Porter and... The Thunderdome. DJ, you got a question for Mr. Vuku? Man. No? No, no, I can figure something you, out. You got one? You want me to go first? You should go first. I'll go first while you contemplate. I'm going to contemplate. All right, my question for Mr. Vuku in the Thunderdome. Um, traditionally, we would say that there is an Asian persuasion of the female side. Did you back in the day use and manipulate through your Asian persuasion on the ladies? Did I use Asian persuasion? I mean, no, I didn't. No? I didn't have to. It naturally came out because of the Asian persuasion. He didn't have to. It just he it just rolled. Nice. I like it. I like it. Yeah. No, man, I've got nothing. You got nothing? I literally have nothing. I tried everything. You tried? Yes. I can't ask you just a basic generic question. No hot seat? You got nothing? You know? Sorry. What's your favorite Asian food? That's very racist. Exactly. It's the Thunderdome. Biatch! All right. Thank you guys for listening. Boo, thank you so much for being here, uh, taking your time out for the evening. Yes, I apologize. I was late. DJ, thank you so much uh, also for your time. Fuck you, Ian, since you didn't want to take the time. Emoji middle finger coming your way right now. Yes, it is on its way, Mr. Porter. Anyway, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Wonderful. Thank you for all the information. And uh, you guys make it a great day. Make it.